Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. It is Thursday, December 9th, and I am excited that you are joining us today. It is Guest Thursday. If you're just tuning into SWAT for the first time, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And every Thursday on our program, we try to have a guest. Sometimes they're nationally known, sometimes they're local guests, but they always are people that are making a difference and people that are uh, making disciples and and preaching the truth, sharing the truth. And I'm excited about today's guest. About a year and a half ago, a friend of mine gave me a book called Tactics. And, and as a Marine, when one Marine gives you a book about tactics, you look at it and you go, okay, uh, and it's a game plan for discussing, discussing your Christian convictions. And when I saw the book, I was excited. When I read it, I was more excited. And today, I'm more excited because the author, Greg Kukul, is on the program today. Greg, welcome to SWAT Radio. Hey, it's great to talk to you, Doug. And it's Kukul, kind of like Yokel. Kukul. Kukul. All right. But I'm so glad to be able to chat with you today about this material. It's fabulous. Well, it, it is It is an awesome book. I want to thank you for uh, bringing out some things in there that uh, we just don't think about a lot of times as we engage. And we are in a time, Greg, where I see our world being more hostile to the gospel than I remember in my lifetime in the West. Would you agree with that? Oh, there's no question about that, Doug. It thinks, I've been a Christian for a little more than 48 years, and I have never seen anything like this. And sometimes the hostility isn't just outward in terms of people being nasty to us. Uh, generally, on a one-on-one, you don't see that. You see it in the media and some areas like that. But when it comes to the ideas, the ideas are so completely hostile to the entire Christian worldview. And and then when those ideas are expressed and we're not kind of walking in lockstep with those ideas, then we can get some really, really harsh pushback. So this is a very tough time for Christians, and I think it's going to get worse, Doug. Well, I, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, in ministry, uh, Greg, I have considered myself a tactics person. Like, you know, you have strategists and then you have tactical people. I'm right. a tactical guy. You tell me the hill you want me to take, and I'll go take it. <laughs> and that's one thing I loved about your book is that it laid out really game plans, how you interact on what I call a, a micro a, a micro level, not a macro level. You're right. sitting there interacting personally with people. And, and really, some things that as Christians we're not very good at a lot of times, like we don't listen very well. We tend to want to tell people our ideas before yeah. we even know what they're struggling with. And you bring well, that out in the book in a great way. Yeah, Doug, that's a really good point. But that's really only a sliver. That is, the people, maybe more like you and me, who are much more aggressive, we're just going to get out there and tell them <laughs> everything we know, you know. Yeah. you got a whole bunch of other people that are sitting on the sidelines because they do not know how to get from the whatever they know, whatever they've learned from your show, my show, from books, from websites, whatever – Whatever they know about the truth of Christianity and how to defend it, they don't know how to get that into play in a conversation. So there's a missing bridge from the content 
to the conversation or from the scholarship to the relationship. And because they don't have that bridge, boy, it's a rough world out there. They don't know how to enter into the fray in a way that keeps them safe, and so they just sit on the bench. And frankly, I think that's what the vast majority are doing right now, and it's one of the reasons that I wrote the book Tactics, to help that group out with a bridge that allows them to engage in a very safe way. Well, you know, Greg, if somebody just picked up the book uh, and read it, they would think, wow, this guy, he, he is, he's, he's spoken on 80 college campuses and universities around debating people. He, he must be one well-read Christian guy, and that's the way he's always been. He must have had a good upbringing. He must have always kind of been geared to that. That's not your story, is it? No, it's not. I I was kind of raised raised in a, you know, a kind of a quasi-religious environment. But it was the kind of thing when everybody hit teenage years, we all left. You know, when we became adults, we just left all of that behind and embraced the world view of the time. And my parents left it as well. So I didn't have that. Then I joined the world, and this is in the mid-60s, and a very, very big changeover that was taking place in our culture then. And I embraced the whole world's concept of things. And even after I became a Christian in 1973, I wasn't this mellow fellow, you know. (laughs) I wasn't the guy who was going to go in there and patiently listen to another view, ask all the right questions. That was all totally contrary to my my approach. And frankly, I still have to be on the guard uh, to to not fall into that same pattern that I did before. I was shedding a whole lot more heat than I was light, uh, Doug. And so, you know, consequently, I needed uh, adjustments. And over the years, the Holy Spirit really helped me to tone down, uh, to become more um, more friendly and interactive, less forcibly dogmatic, and then to begin to employ things that I learned over a long period of time in my conversations in order to make them not only more amicable and, and more, uh, more easy to engage without getting in fights, but also much, much more effective as well. Well, that's the tactical game plan. Well, yeah, and even, you know, my friend, when he gave me your book for the first time, he said, you're going to love it, but you need to be careful because if you, if you use this, uh, you, you can use this and it can, you can manipulate people because of some of the tactics that you learn and how I, I call it verbal jujitsu almost. You take people <laughs> when they're getting you with these questions and you flip it back on them and, and they don't know how to respond. And if you don't use it in a loving way, you can you can mess people up with it too, right? Yeah, you know, you are absolutely right. These are very, very effective. And you mentioned the difference between tactic and strategy. Strategy is the big picture, all right? Mm-hmm. Strategy is like D-Day, right? Here's how we're going to take the coast of north of uh, of uh, of France there, you know. But tactics are what you use when you hit the beach and you engage one-on-one, basically, with the opponent. And, I mean, I'm sorry about the military metaphor, but it still works here. You know, why not shooting people? But there is a sense in which we have to know how to engage one-on-one, kind of like one-on-one basketball, that kind of deal, move after move after move. And that's what the tactical game plan is meant to help do. But, like you said, if you're not careful, these things are so powerful they can actually make people look stupid. You can embarrass people and, you know, do a mic drop on them. And this is not what we're after. 
This is not my project. It is not my spirit. What we're trying to do is help people see what the truth is, but do so in a shrewd fashion, just like Jesus did. In fact, the bulk of the game plan focuses in on a technique that Jesus used hundreds of times in the Gospels, and we can use it as effectively, too, to be shrewd, but not to manipulate, not to control, not to embarrass people. Well, and I I think of 1 Corinthians 2, uh, when, you know, that, that passage, it says, we have the mind of Christ. He is our model for engagement with people if we look at him. And one of the things you bring out in the book that I think is effective is this whole questioning, you know, going back to the people when they make an assertion or an allegation or or even when they call you a name. I mean, I'd never thought about that. If somebody calls you a bigot, well, what does that word mean to you? Just immediately turning it to say, hey, let's let's talk about that. When you call me that, what does it mean? And I think that's very effective, uh, you know, and and I've I I just think I appreciate you putting these things together for people. And I want to let people know real quick, uh, Greg, about your website. Uh, And if you want to go to his website, it is www.str for stand to reason dot org. It's www.str.org. It has lots of videos, lots of articles, podcasts, training. If you want Greg or any of his speakers, he has, I think you've got three or four people that go out and actually share these principles, right? Yeah, we have four right now. We have a fifth uh, coming on board in January, and it's not just this thing, tactics, that virtually everybody teaches on. I mean, I'm the author, so I get first shot basically (laughs) on that topic, but... But uh, they all cover it because it's so important, but a whole host of other topics. And um, you mentioned it's my website. Well, strictly speaking, and you know this, I know, Doug, but I want to be clear to others. It's Stand to Reason's website. That's the organization that I work for. Now, I founded it so I could make myself president, (laughs) but it's not a personality project. It's about a group of people that are of kindred spirits and um, variety of skills that are helping train Christians to think more carefully about their convictions and then make a, a gracious, even-handed, but incisive defense for classical Christianity and classical Christian values in the public square. That's what our efforts are devoted to. That's what our whole website is devoted to. Well, just to give our listeners a taste before we go to the first break, we have about a minute and a half. Who bears the burden of proof? I'm going to draw from your website because I love sure. that little clip. Who Talk about that real quick before we go to our first break. Yeah, well, this is actually the second step of the game plan, but it's really important because there's an impulse when people, when Christians get a challenge that they feel it is their responsibility to disprove the challenge that's being made against them. Now, if they're asked a question, that's one thing. What about the problem of evil? However, but if somebody makes a statement, that's different. If they say, God can't exist because of the problem of evil, now my impulse, because I'm a big mouth, is to say, oh, you're wrong about that, here's why, blah, blah, blah. But strictly speaking, when a person makes the claim, it is not my job to disprove them, it is first their job to give a defense for the view or the claim they've made, especially if it's controversial. So if they say, well, the problem of evil proves that there is no God, I am not going to say, here's why you're wrong. I'm going to ask them for an accounting, like some form of the question, 
Really? How does that work? How did you come to that conclusion? Spell that out for me. Help me to see why the problem of evil is a problem for God's existence. Well, you see why well, You see why I like this guy and why I like this book. Hey, we're <laughs> going to be right back with more from SWAT Radio with Greg Kokel. I hope I got it right that time. That's we're going to be did. right back on SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.acedoor.com. July, all the neighbors look at me like I'm crazy, but I, I got a feeling that I just can't shake, you see, it's lasted 364 days and now I'm too excited. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Yes, it's that time of year. It's a great time of year for us to be bold witnesses for Christ, and th- this is a great resource. Um, if, if you know people that struggle either because they don't know how to have a conversation, they struggle because maybe they take over the conversation and never hear the listener like me. That's what I do, Greg. You're right on. That's what I do. Um, This is a great book for training, practical application of how to do that. And, Greg, you guys do, your ministry does a conference called, a student apologetics conference called Reality. Oh, yeah. And, and. You have them uh, out in California, up in Washington, and Minnesota, Dallas, Philadelphia, Augusta, Georgia, and a live stream. Uh, what 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 would be an appropriate age for students to be a part of that? Well, our conviction is that the most important generation is always the next generation. All right, and that's a responsibility of the body of Christ to pass the baton to the next generation, all right? Mm-hmm. When you and I are pushing up daisies, Doug, we've got to have somebody else to get in the stirrups for us, you know? And a lot of time there's very little thought given to that. And we realize a lot of people that are young people, they leave the church, they go to university, and they disappear as Christians. But what we don't realize, a lot of them have disappeared before they even left. Mm -hmm. That is, they leave their convictions, they leave the faith, because they were never convinced it was true in the first place. And this is why there's so many deconversions. So um, what we've uh, purposed to do when we started 10 years ago with this in Southern California is to develop a conference where we can 
direct our efforts at middle schoolers and high schoolers. Yeah, middle schoolers and high schoolers, mm. and teach them apologetics. And that's now called the Reality uh, Christian Apologetics conferences. So anybody who wants to find out details about it, realityapologetics.com is the place to go to. And what, the 25th uh, and 26th of February, our next one comes up in uh, in Dallas, Texas. But I'll tell you what, we just had one three weeks ago in Minneapolis. We had 3,200 students there. Wow. That's don't great. anybody tell me that young people don't care about thoughtful Christianity and that they're all postmoderns and they don't care about reasons for their convictions, etc. When you talk to Christians who have left Christianity, they are going to tell you the reasons why they left. And a lot of the reasons that they left is they didn't get reasons to stay. Mm-hmm. And so this is what we give them, and we give them. We got the best speakers. We got Sean McDowell and and Jay Warner Wallace and our team at Stand to Reason, including myself. Uh, we have Natasha Crane and and uh, Elisa Childers. I'm just talking about here's some of them that we focus in on that are part of our team, you know. And uh, we rotate each year with different people, but we have fabulous communicators. We do not dumb down the material. They get solid stuff for Friday night and all day Saturday, but. Uh, we make it fun, but uh, we have great communicators, so we don't have to put it all down on the bottom shelf. Mm. We pat- we throw the ball so the young people can catch it, and it's been a fabulous enterprise these 10 years. Well, and, and the 25th and 26th of February, that's a live stream. So if people can't travel, that they can just participate on that at a church. Right. They could get their youth group together. Uh, they could do it in their home Right, they just go to the website uh, realityapologetics.com dot com and Correct. click on more info. But I I encourage you. We've had both uh, Jay uh, Warner Wallace on here and Sean on our program before. Right. Both are great guys, and uh, they, they I like them because they they are apologetic guys, <laughs> you know. And it's yeah, I just right. like yeah, that kind of stuff. So hey, I want to go back to what we were talking about right before the break. This burden of proof, yeah, and. and why is it that we struggle so much as Christians when people make a make a claim that we struggle to feel like we've got to defend it? Is it just that we just automatically assume a defensive posture when that happens? Sure. I, I think it's natural when someone kind of puts an attack out for the Christian to feel like it's their responsibility to respond. And there, there, is, there is some truth to that. But I'm making a little bit more of a technical point here with burden of proof to let Christians know that when another person makes the claim, it is not our job to refute it. It's first their job to defend it. And, I mean, this is a common concept in American jurisprudence, all right? The, uh, the, we, are gu- we are innocent until proven guilty. And so if the DA comes knocking on your door and said, hey, you robbed the bank, you get to say, prove it, right? And in the same way, when a critic says, well, the Bible's been changed, or Jesus never existed, or the problem of evil proves there is no God, or uh, science has disproved miracles, or any of a multitude of things that they bring out, the first thing you want to do, and this is part of the broader game plan that you've already referenced, Doug, is you want to ask a question. Mm. In this particular case, since they are making the claim, you can put the burden of proof upon them. It's entirely legitimate, and, and it's very simple to do. Really? 
Mm-hmm. How did you come to that conclusion? Or why do you think that's the case? Some version of that question. And here's what it does. Just like other parts of the game plan, when you ask a question, it pitches the ball immediately back into the other person's court, and now it's their job to make sense of the challenge they've just offered. Um, There's different ways we do this in the game plan, but in this particular one, the challenge is in the form of a claim, and if we try to answer the claim without making them first defend it in a nice way, then we are giving them a free ride. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my rule is uh, that uh, no more free rides for them. Or to put it in the immortal words of, uh, here's a 60s alert coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the mortal words of Ricky Ricardo, uh, they got a lot of explaining to do <laughs> yeah. themselves, you know. And so this is all we're doing. Notice my posture in a circumstance like that is not combative. It's not nasty. It isn't like, all right, well, you tell me why that's so true or something like that. No, I'm curious, given the challenge, if they have any reasons to hold to the claim that they just made. That's all. And that's completely legitimate if they have made a claim against us. Now, if we make a claim, it's our job to defend the claim. But in the game plan, at least the first two steps, and we're talking about the second step now, um, I'm encouraging Christians to ask certain kinds of questions that keep them off the hook, at least initially, Mm -hmm. and put the other person legitimately on the hook for what they've said. And if we can do that, we're in the shallow end of the pool. We're not making any claims. We are students, in some sense, of their ideas first, and we let them talk. And here's what I've learned, Doug. The more I can get an objector to talk about his or her own view or challenge or objection or worldview, the, the, the more, um, how can I put this, <laughs> the, the, the easier it is for them to falter if their view is is false. Now, I'm not trying to get them to falter. What I'm trying to help them to see is that their view is false, and when it's false, the more they talk about it, the more opportunity there is for them to see that it's false. Um, And so that's what's going on here with these questions. Again, not a manipulation, Mm -hmm. but a legitimate drawing the person out to hear more of their view. And the more they talk, the easier it's going to be for the Christian. Mm -hmm. And because they're talking and not the Christian, it's already easier for the Christian, because we're not making the defense yet. The other side is doing that instead. Well, you know, I, I love that you bring out Columbo in your book, because when I, I told you before the program, when I went through the FBI Academy, they used Columbo episodes to train us a couple of times. Oh, that's and, great. Yeah, because... Uh, one of the things you bring out in the book, there's steps that you go through in this process. The first right. is gathering information. And, you know, for me, Greg, I I wanted to go to seminary. I got accepted to go to seminary. And instead, God sent me to the FBI. And uh-huh. what he did was he taught me how to investigate. He taught me how to gather information, how to right. assemble information, how to uh, observe and then interpret and apply that information. And that's what you're talking about in the, in the book and in, in the right. gathering stage. And, you know, I think too often we want to go right to the the argument when there's still information to gain that can expose, to go back to what you were talking about, 
You right. can expose the faultiness of the claims being made just right. if you gather more information, right? That's right. You know, the, the key here is that, and this is what people don't realize, most of the objectors, and, and I don't mean this in a degrading or condescending way, it's descriptive, but most of the, of the, the objectors have no idea what they're talking about. Mm. What they have been, been, what's happened is they've been socialized to, as non-believers, to offer certain statements or change or claims against the believer, and the Christian has been stonewalled because they don't know what to do. But it isn't because the challenger knows much about things. They just know to say these things. Oh, that's just a matter of your own interpretation, mm -hmm. for example. Well, what do you mean it's just a matter of my own interpretation? You, uh, that's what I'm going to ask. Mm -hmm. That's my first question. And you mentioned Lieutenant Columbo from the storied TV uh, series with Peter Falk, which just had its 50th anniversary <laughs> yeah. uh, just a, a month or two ago. So it, this is old-time TV, but you can still catch him on Nick at Night or uh, certainly on, on uh, YouTube and, and watch episodes there. But here's a guy who just kind of comes in under the radar. He's at the crime scene. He's scratching his head. He's mumbling to himself. He doesn't look like he can, he can think his way out of a wet paper bag. You know, this guy's stupid, <laughs> but he's stupid like a fox yeah. because he starts casually asking these questions, and um, and he disarms people with the questions, but the answers he's getting gives him the information to go forward. Hmm. And pretty soon he's got it all, and then he can close off the case, because yeah. he's just in asking the questions he's been able to do 95% of the work. And that's what I'm suggesting here. Yeah, that is, it's good. Hey, we're about to go to our, uh, to our, our news break on the half hour. When we come back... Could you demo this with what I call like just one minute, not even one minute, just I'm going to ask you some questions after the break, right. and you can just go through, and they're going to be right out of your book, but I want you to demonstrate for the listeners out there, okay? All right. I hope I remember what I wrote. <laughs> I hope so, too. <laughs> hey, you're listening to Greg Kokel, and uh, he wrote the book tactics great book and he's part of a ministry called stand to reason you can go to str.org that's www.str.org lots of great resources we're going to be right back after the news and he's going to kind of demo some of these things we're talking about how do you gather information what's that first step in engaging people who are difficult to engage with so stay tuned to SWAT radio we'll be right back after the news to SWAT Radio. Boy, that was a quick exit there. Uh, sometimes it catches me off, Greg, but uh, I, I'm uh, ready with the questions here. So 
you're just these are just some quick questions. We're not going to elaborate on them, but these are initial responses to questions that Christians may get asked. Okay, right, right. So, are you ready? Yeah, sure. Okay, so do you believe in evolution? Well, Doug, I'm not entirely clear on what you mean by evolution. It's got a lot of definitions. So what exactly do you have in mind? Okay, that's good. So, Okay, the uh, reason I noticed that I think the impulse for Christians who don't believe in the Darwinian model, the neo-Darwinian synthesis, you know, macroevolution, yeah. the whole molecules-to-man hypothesis, no, I don't believe in evolution. But then they say, well, you mean you don't think things change over time? Please. You don't know about mosquitoes getting resistant to, uh, to uh, uh, you know, insecticides? Wow, you're nutty. <laughs> oh, well, now you're caught in a trap because they're using a different definition of evolution there. So this is why it's important to ask clarification questions. What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. And then they might say, what do you mean, what do I mean? Well, there are different kinds of evolution. Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> well, I can't answer your question until you tell me clearly what kind of evolution you have in mind. Yeah, that's that's really good. Well, all right, second question. Well, you know, I mean, how can how can there be a god when uh, a, a somebody who created this who's loving when what about all the evil in the world? Okay, uh what exactly are you referring to, Doug, when you say the evil in the world? Mm, well, I mean like you know, all the murder and death and all that stuff, like okay. sickness. <laughs> okay, so you said, what about it? And I'm not sure what you mean, what about it? Mm. You're, it seems like you are you think there's a problem here. What exactly is the problem? Well, I mean, if God is loving, then why does he allow this? Okay, oh, I see. So if there is a loving God, he would never allow anything bad to happen? Is that what you're suggesting? Oh, uh, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, you know. Okay. Are you a father? Yes. Do you have any kids? Yes. you ever do anything that your kids didn't like and viewed as evil for a good reason? <laughs> well, about, yeah, especially when they were teenagers. Yeah. Did you ever take your kids to get shots? Yes, I did. Oh, did your kids like shots? No, they cry every time. That, so they So to them, that's evil, right? Yes. I get the point. Yeah. But is is there a reason that you're allowing that evil for them? Uh, yeah, to protect them. A good reason, yeah. Okay. So do you think it's possible that there might be a reason that God might allow some of the evil that you see in the world? Yeah, that's a, that's a great response. Uh, that's, yeah, that, by the way, that took, what, less than 45 seconds. <laughs> that's good. That's All really right, good. But, but I knew the sequence. Mm-hmm. I knew the problem that there can be evil allowed by someone good if there's a good reason for it. Mm-hmm. So what did I do? I had a little dialogue in my mind that I could pursue mm-hmm. in order to make that point with you. And all I, and I got a reasonable response. Yeah, I guess it is. Well, if it's possible, then it's not a defeater of Christianity. Yeah. We don't even have to know all the reasons for every bit of evil. All we have to know is that it's possible, and mm-hmm. that's what I was trying to do there. Well, um well, you know, I, I hasn't. I mean, I, you know, I I believe in science, and you know, science has proven that there is no God. Oh, really? How exactly has science 
proven there is no God. That's so, this is so hard for me to ask these questions because well, I don't believe okay. them. <laughs> well, you've talked to a lot of people, you know, so this is the kind of things that people say. Yeah. So they, I'm, I'm just curious. That, by the way, off, out of the role play now, that is a very, very strong claim. Mm-hmm. Science has proven there is no God. Mm-hmm. But it, by the way, it turns out that it's not possible for science to prove there is no God. It's <laughs> not possible because science can only address the material world. That's all it's suited to do. Mm-hmm. Now, this doesn't mean there is a God, but it certainly shows that science is not the means by which you show that there isn't a God. Mm-hmm. Science cannot inveigh against the existence of any immaterial thing. It has no way of assessing it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like saying, you know, you told me there was an invisible man in your house. I went in there, and I didn't see him anywhere. I looked <laughs> under the bed and in the back, you know, whatever. Well, you don't, you're not going to see an invisible man, but that doesn't mean he's not there. Mm-hmm. By the way, that doesn't mean he is either. All we're talking about here is parrying a defeater against Christianity. And uh, we're not making our case. We're just saying that's not going to work here. That's why I, I could say to you, Doug, hasn't science, when you ask that question, hasn't science disproved God, I could say, no, it hasn't. Well, okay, now what are we? Yes, it has. No, it hasn't. Yes, it has. No. See, that goes nowhere. But if I then instead say, really, how, is that, how has it done that? Mm-hmm. Now the ball's in your court, and you, I know you're not going to be able to answer that. I could have a Ph.D. in physics make that claim, and he is not going to be able to ask, answer that, mm. because science is not capable of disproving God. Well, 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 now you've reversed the burden of proof, right? I mean, that's what you've done. He made a claim. Well, he's made a claim, and now you've just put it on him to prove that exactly. claim. Yeah. Exactly. So this is, that's the set. The first step, as you mentioned, we're kind of jumbled in our steps of our game plan, but it's very simple. The first step, I'm just trying to get more information. Mm-hmm. And one question you asked, um, or challenge you made, I was probing for more information. What do you mean by that? Is basically the the model question. Mm-hmm. I want to get as much information about your point. Mm-hmm. Okay, then uh, I'm going to ask if if the claim is made, I'm going to reverse the burden of proof. That's the second step, and I'm going to ask how did how did that actually happen? And that's what I did in the scientific uh, question. Gee, really, how does that work? You know, and let them answer. Notice that there was a little bit of silence. You had some dead air on the yeah. radio, Doug. That's not good. I know. But, but I call that the Simon and Garfunkel response. <laughs> These are the guys back in 1966 who wrote that song, The Sounds of Silence. Yeah. Because when you ask a legitimate question of people who don't know the answer, you're going to get silence. Mm-hmm. And th- many times those who are raising the issue, no matter how bold they sound, are still uneducated about what they're talking about. And when you probe for more information, they're going to be stonewalled. Mm-hmm. They're not going to know what to say. Mm-hmm. And we're not trying to embarrass them. We're legitimately trying to get clarity on their view or the reasons for their view. And in many cases, they have neither. Yeah, and they'll admit that sometimes. You say in your book that they'll actually say, well, I, d- I don't even know. Uh, I don't have a reason. Because you'll yeah, ask, I do don't you have, have a reason? reason to believe that. But then I have another question. Yeah. Why would you believe something you have no reason to believe? <laughs> yeah, that's... I mean, this is the same question people ask non-Christians who don't have any good reasons to believe <laughs> what they believe. Why would you believe that? Uh, 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 uh. Now the non-Christian is is being stonewalled here. Okay, we can ask of them the way they ask of us. 
And it, it turns out that Christianity can be defended even if individual Christians don't know the particulars. But most of the non-Christian views cannot be defended. Now, some can be defended, but the question is whether the defense is adequate to make the case. And I don't think it is, uh, over and against the Christian claims. But most of the time, people don't know how to defend their own Mm non-belief. And that's something we can capitalize on, just like they capitalize on our inability not to defend our belief. Well, and just to recap for our listeners, if you're just tuning in, we're talking to Greg Kokel, who wrote uh, Tactics, and he is um, uh, founded a ministry called uh, Stand a Reason. And in his book, Tactics, he takes people through, he calls Columbo steps, in dealing with people, engaging with people, uh, using your mind to engage with people for the cause of Christ and to talk to people. But it, it's not limited to that. You could use it in other uh, applications, but it's certainly for us as believers, and I know Greg's a believer, that's our goal is to do that. And he just, re, you know, to recap, he said the first question is to gather information. The second is to kind of uh, understand why that person believes the way they do, right, Greg? Reversing the burden of proof, yeah. right. You know, and I should say one other thing here. we got a couple more minutes before the break, but very quickly, I spent some time talking about this in the beginning of the book. My goal in these things is not to lead people to Christ. Mm. And I know that sounds like crazy. Don't you want them to become Christian? Of course I do. But I realize that usually this takes a long time. And so instead of harvesting, I'm not looking to get a person to sign on the dotted line. I'm not harvesting. I'm gardening. Mm-hmm. I am just trying to do a little here, a little there. I'm trying to put a stone in their shoe. I'm going to annoy them in a good way. I want to try to get them thinking. And if you look in the New Testament, that is the biblical way. There are no altar calls in the New Testament. Nobody is encouraged to receive Jesus. Nothing wrong. They don't pray the sinner's prayer. Nothing wrong with that, but it's a recent invention. What you see in Scripture is conversations that engage people and get them thinking about Christianity and or against their own views. And that's like, I call it gardening, a little here, a little there. And Jesus talks about it in John chapter 4, just after he has a conversation with the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. He says, some reap and some sow. Mm -hmm. Some reap, some sow. Some, Some harvest, some garden. Two seasons... Two kinds of workers, one field, one team. My conviction is that virtually almost everybody that I'm talking to now who's a believer is a, is a gardener, not a harvester. Mm-hmm. But they've only been given harvesting techniques in evangelism. I'm giving them a gardening technique that will take the pressure off trying to close the deal all the time. Mm-hmm. No, just go in there and try to make a difference. Yeah, and you know... Uh... And uh, in reality, in our culture now, and I know we got to go to our break in just a second, but we we're breaking up hard ground so the seed can go in. I mean, we're, right. we're we're this is these are questions that are leading. When we come back, we're we have our we're already through with the program. We're into our last segment. We're going to look at step three and four, and then I have a couple of questions that I'd like you to engage because they're fairly popular questions sure. for Christians today. And so you're listening to Greg Kokel of Stand a Reason. Uh, it's www.str.org, Greg's book on tactics, a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions is available. Uh, you can get it as website. You can also get it on amazon.com. 
And uh, he's got his 10th anniversary edition out. We're so happy to have him today. Go to his website. Lots of good resources there. That's www.str.org. Hey, if you want to hear this or any past program, you can go to www.swatradio.com. We're going to be right back after this last break with more from Greg Kokel on SWAT Radio. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. SWAT Radio. It is uh, Thursday, December 9th, and I'm excited to have Greg Kokel. Greg, thank you for being on today. Just I want to thank you again because I, I just reached out to you this week, and you were so gracious to be on here. And I know our listeners, uh, I've already heard back from one of the listeners uh, that uh, had earlier been recommended the book, who loved the book, and uh, I just appreciate your ministry and, and being available to engage with people like this. So thank you. Well, Doug, it is. It really is genuine, uh, genuinely a, a pleasure. I like. I love talking about this stuff, and and you do a great job as a host, so you make it easy on me. Well, well, uh, I want to go to the third question and fourth question real quick. The the Colombo questions, as we, I mean, as we go, the third one is where you start moving from gathering and and basically just you, you, it, it tends to be a little more offensive because we're leading now. Uh, yeah. Can you explain that uh, that yeah. process real quick? Right. So the first question, the first step of the game plan is to just gather information. And when people start talking, you want to ask some form of the question, what do you mean by that? You're drawing them out. You're trying to get a really thoroughgoing understanding of their view. The second step is to reverse the burden of proof so that when they make the claim, now you understand what the claim means. Now you want to know why they think the claim is true. 
and that's why you ask them some form of the question, how did you come to that conclusion? Those two are really easy steps. You don't need to know anything but those steps. You're in the shallow end of the pool. They're not complicated, and they will get you a lot of progress in a conversation all by themselves. The third step is more, a little bit more complicated, more advanced, because what you're going to do now is you're going to make your own point, but you're going to use questions to make your point. And sometimes even a list, your, your, the, your opponent, so to speak, the person who disagrees with you, enlists them as an ally in helping you to make your point. So um, now this is more difficult because you have to know the point you're making. Maybe the point is your own point of view, okay? Uh, maybe the point is you're showing a weakness or, excuse me, or a flaw in the other person's view. You have to know what the point is. You don't have to know what target you're shooting for, mm-hmm. and then you're using your questions kind of like arrows to hit that target. And so that's why it's a little bit more of a complicated uh, element. It's more advanced because you have to know something. First two, if you're a brand-new Christian, you can do that. By the way, you can just spend the next month or two simply gathering those kinds of information, what people mean and why they believe it. Become a student of other people's points of view. That's a way of kind of easing yourself into the game plan. But pretty soon you're going to want to make your own points. All I'm saying here is you want to use questions to make your point. A little skill involved there, and this is what I devote a good part of the book to, giving lots of examples. But that's the third stage of the Colombo tactic, the, the game plan proper. And there's only three steps, so you don't have to worry about a whole lot more. Very simple to employ. Yeah, and, you know, immediately when you were sharing that, Greg, what pops into my mind is Jesus um, when, you know, he was asked about paying tribute to Caesar. Sure. And he said, hey, you got a coin? <laughs> and and then yeah. he, and by the very fact that they produced a coin, one defeated their own argument. So right. they shouldn't have had a coin because the reason they were going to condemn him was because it had an idol picture on it. And so uh, Jesus was the master at doing that, the question thing. And, yeah. uh, and so um, I, I, I just think it's a great – so just one more time for people, the sure. three steps are – go through them one more time. Okay, the first step of the game plan is to gather information. Don't even worry about what's coming next. Don't worry about leading anybody to Christ. Just gather information. Ask as many questions as you can about the challenge to remove all ambiguity. You want them to understand their own challenge really, really well. And virtually every single question has ambiguity. Uh, do you believe in evolution? We just did that. Mm-hmm. Do you do you take your Bible literally? Well, it kind of depends what you mean mm-hmm. by that, doesn't it? So what do you mean by taking it literally? Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. I don't think Jesus is a tree, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So that's the first step. Second step is when they make their claim against us, we do not try to refute their claim. Mm-hmm. What we do is we ask them to defend it with some form of the question, what do you mean by that? Hmm. Then when it comes to the third stage, there's no model question, because a lot depends on what you're trying to do to make your own 
point. Mm-hmm. Um, and But you are going to try to use questions to accomplish that. And I give a lot of illustrations of that in the book. And by the way, there's a whole bunch more tactics. We just talked about the game plan. We didn't talk about taking the roof off and road scholar and what a friend we have in Jesus and inside out and, and a steamroller. These are all maneuvers people can use in conversations. Well, you know what that means, Greg? That just means you're going to have to come back on. That's right. Have another <laughs> chat together, huh, Doug? Yeah, because I, I love this. This I, 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 You do. It, folks, this book, what I love about it is there are a lot of those. And one of the things that I think is, is funny, Greg, is when you go in, you talk about statements that fail to meet their own criteria of validity. Yeah, the suicide tactic, right. Yeah, I went to Russia for the first 15 years of ministry, and I was doing a lot over there with atheists. Oh, no kidding. And, yes, sir. And uh, and from the FBI and just being uh, uh, learning to be a student and investigating, and, and the, I love these kind of things that you bring up, and I used a lot of them. You know, uh-huh. when somebody says there are no absolutes, that was one of the things we used over there. That's an absolute statement. So you can't say there's no absolutes because it contradicts yes, remember, itself. If we're going to deal with it ca- tactically, this is where we have to ask them, what do you mean there's no absolutes? And when they tell you what there's said, wait, wait, is that statement? Now the next question, <laughs> is the statement you just made an absolute statement? Yeah. You, so that's now the ball's in their court, and they got to go, uh, yeah, I guess it was. Oh, so there are some absolutes, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that one, maybe there's a few more. What do you think? Well, well, the, the, you give these examples, and I think there, no one can know any truth about religion. Well, yeah. the person making the statement, would, would you not fall into that category then? Yeah, that's right. Is that a truth about religion? Notice it's a question. Is that a truth about religion? Yeah. So, I guess it is. Yeah. Well, really? Well, how, by the way, why would you think no one could know any truth about religion? Now, there I go again. Another question, but that's number two. Uh, putting the burden of proof back on them. And then I'm going to get some answers. Yeah. And, well, you can't ever know anything about that. Well, that's just a repetition. Well, why would you say that? I'm curious. Yeah, I, you know, I'm joking. I would love to come have you come back on maybe uh, next year sometime, early in the year, and do a sure. thing just on the the dealing with the questions. You know, after you know the game plan, how do you deal with all these different tactics, the actual, the Rhodes Scholar, you know, the, yeah, the, all sure. those people? So well, it's apropos, because I'm writing another book on Columbo, just on Columbo 3 right now. It's called Street Smarts, oh. Using Questions to Answer Christianity's Toughest Challenges. Well, that, so I'm working on it now. Well, well, that's a great lead-in, because you, uh, on uh, I saw it somewhere. I don't know if it was on your website or on YouTube but yeah, it's the question that stops a lot of Christians in their tracks. And, and, and it's that, hey, anyone who doesn't believe just like you is going to hell. Or, yeah. you know, if I don't believe like you, you're going to hell. How do you right. deal with that as a believer? Yeah. Oh, you're asking me that one right now? Yes. Okay. Yes. I said, then, then I'm not sure what you're getting at here, Doug. Uh, are you saying that, um, that they have to have all the views that I do or they're going to hell? Hmm. Or are you saying something else? Are you saying, I think I'm right and other people are wrong? Help me out here. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, you Christians, you just all think your way is the only way. Okay. Uh, do you think that people who have other religious views think that their way is correct, too? Yeah, but they're just more loving than you guys. I mean, you oh, guys are okay. so judgmental. So if you're standing on the highway and there's a truck barreling down to run you over and I ye- uh, yell at you, 
and I say, get out of the way, there's a truck coming. Is that a loving attitude or an unloving attitude? Well, that would be loving. Okay, so in the case of Christians, what are Christians telling non-Christians about their future destiny? Mm. They're telling them that there's a, there's a truck barreling down on them, and it's the wrath of God. Okay? Yeah. So we could be wrong on this, but if we are warning you of a way to avoid the wrath of God through the mercy of God, is that an act of love mm-hmm. or is that unkindness? That's good. That's really good. And that's the kind of stuff that you get on the website and in the book, Greg. I, and again, I appreciate you, you you doing the little role play with me for a second, because I think oh, it's no helpful worries. for people to hear it actually played out a little bit. And, yeah. um, you know, one of the things that uh, I, I just want to ask you, we got about two minutes, maybe a minute and a half, two minutes uh, real quick. How would you encourage people to deal with millennials and younger who are struggling with the whole reality? I know you're doing the reality conference for the youth, but how about as parents, as older people who grew up where truth was truth and valuable, but now your truth is different than my truth. It's very uh, selective and subjective. So how are you encouraging people to deal with that issue? Well, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record, but this is where parents especially have to question their children and listen. By the way, I have two teenage kids, and I'm not the best example for this kind of thing, but I do think it's still the right, yeah. <laughs> still the right way. When they say there is no truth, this is a question, well, what, what do you mean there is no truth? Or I don't think Christianity is true. Why do you think Christianity is not true? You must have some reasons. I'm, I'm, I'm a dad. I'm really interested. Help me out here. I'm just trying to understand your view, honey, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, here's the wrong response. Getting angry, firing back, saying, how could you believe that? We're a Christian family. I taught you differently. What's the matter with you? Read your Bible, pray more, all of that kind of stuff. That just drives them further away. Yeah. Well, well, listen, our time, I don't know if you heard the music, but the time is, is coming to an end, and uh, we got to go. Greg, thank you. Thank you for your ministry, and uh, we will be praying for Stand a Reason, and uh, maybe I will try to catch that conference in February, and I really hope to have you back sometime, maybe in the spring of 2022, all right? Okay, I'm happy to do that, Doug. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. All right. Hey, you've been listening to Greg Kokel of Stand to Reason and uh, get his book, Tactics. It'd be a great Christmas gift. And uh, if you tune in tomorrow, we're going to be giving some away if you want to call in because uh, it is a great resource. You can also go to his website, www.str.org. That's www.str.org. Greg Kokel, say a prayer for him and his family. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow on SWAT Radio. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spirit.